0: The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are.
1: I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory.
0: You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Nicholas Gregoradis Show. I am your host, Nicholas Gregoradis. I hope wherever you are in the world that this audio recording finds you happy and healthy. Today's guest is someone I've known for a very long time and is a close friend of mine as well. It's an interesting story. I first heard about him when I was working on my first show, London Real, with my then partner at the time. and. He kept raving about this particular guy saying, I want to have this guy on the show. I want to have him on the show. We, we've got to get him on board. And I hadn't heard of heard of this particular guest, but I looked him up and truth be told, it didn't seem like he and I would vibe. I, I just got the sense that this guy was way too intense for me and that our energies were misaligned and that it wouldn't be a good idea. And I thought nothing of it. And then my involvement with London Real came to an end. And funny enough, this guy reached out to me. He had watched he started training jujitsu and he had watched one of my videos and he really liked it. And he just reached out to me and we got to chatting and I realized, you know, he was actually a very cool dude. And I, I saw just what an authentic human being he was. And we became good friends and we've, we've kept in touch since then. He's also a very close friends with my partner in subconscious jujitsu, Brent Berniston. And so To me, it's just interesting how things work. You know, I initially thought, oh, this guy and I weren't matched. And uh, subsequently, we've become close. And I've just seen him for what an amazing human being he is. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. He's just, as I said, a truly authentic human being. So it's coming close to the end of the year, 2023. Can you believe it, 2023? It's like a science fiction date. I remember watching movies when I was a kid and I'd hear about dates like that. You know, that's when we're going to be either living in this dystopian future or having colonized Mars or whatever it was in the movies I watched as a kid that was predicted to happen. But either way, 2023 is about to start. Now, for those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, you know that uh, I'm a coach. I work with men. I help them achieve extraordinary results. For a long time, I hated using the term and I still hate using the term life coach. And the reason for that is it's been my experience that most of the self-proclaimed life coaches I've met have been, for want of a better phrase, just pretty useless, right? They've had very little real life experience and they're the types of people who I would say, you know, there's that expression, those who can't do teach, you know, there've been people who... I just haven't been very impressed with and I never really wanted to use that phrase just because I didn't want to get lumped in with people like that, because the fact of the matter is I'm not one of those guys. I have got an incredible plethora of life experiences and I've done some amazing things in my life. I've, I've paid my dues, right? Like I really, I'm great at what I do. I'm exceptional at what I do. And so when I speak about my coaching, I never say I'm a life coach. I say I'm a men's coach, partly because I don't want to be tainted with that word, but also partly because I only work with men. Someone once asked me, why don't you work with women? And the fact is, I don't work with women because I'm not a woman. I'm a man. And I don't really understand women on the, at the level of depth that would let me be confident in coaching them and guiding them. However, I'm a man and I have fought a long hard fight. I've walked a long road to become the man I am today. And I now help other men who want to become the very best versions of themselves. And what the way I help them is I help them recover parts of themselves that have been lost along the journey of life. Right? Life is hard and it it breaks us all in some way and we lose parts of ourselves and I'll help you find those parts that you've lost. I will help you stop procrastinating and live your full potential. I'll help you become healthier and more vital. I'll help you become more popular with men and women. I will help you sleep better at night and I will help you just become, as I said earlier, a better version of yourself. If you're interested in that, if that sounds good to you and you really want to make changes and you want to put the work in, do not waste my time, right? If you really are interested go to my website and reach out to me. We'll have a chat and we'll see if I can help you or if we're suited to working together. So again, if it sounds like something you're interested in and that you would be willing to commit to and there's no pressure or no obligation, but if you're a tire kicker, I'm not interested, don't contact me. But if you're really wanting to make changes in your life and you think I can help you, reach out to me via coachnickg.com. That's dot com, And we'll see if we're a match working together. Look at the testimonials on my site. I change people's lives. I'm not just someone who makes promises and doesn't deliver. I get you the results. So that's my pitch for my coaching. And without further ado, let's dive into the episode with the one and only Joey Diaz. Hey, brothers! Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have my good friend Joey Diaz. He is a legend. He needs no introduction. And uh, Joey, thank you for making the time, man.
1: Thank you, brother. Sorry about a couple of weeks ago. I got really busy, but I'm all yours today.
0: Cool, man. If if just one thing, I got to tell you, my little cat is bugging me here. If you hear him meowing or if he jumps on my lap, I apologize in advance. Joey, you're away with your family, right? You're on vacation yes okay cool well, that's the first thing i wanted to start with is was it a year ago that you moved from los angeles to back to new jersey back to where it all began two years was it wow it's been two years already but yeah i remember because that's when i i arrived in los angeles just as you were just as you were leaving i think that's where i really want to start man because to me i love this place i just love the weather and i love the energy and the vibe and i'm i'm really interested to know uh, what was it that inspired you to just pack everything up and and leave this this town, which by all accounts
1: was pretty good to you from what I can tell? I had a child. I had a child. And mm-hmm. I'd been in LA for 23 years. I'd been in Colorado for 12 and Seattle for three. And it, I started thinking about moving in 2016. That's when it started to really, my wife was looking to get out she had been there for a while. It was a very tough decision, but it was the evolution. It was part of the evolution.
0: Mm. I think it's like, for me, now that I'm here in Los Angeles and I'm established and I really love this city, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And I think to myself, oh, I'd never want to leave. But I remember when I, I lived in London many years ago, I moved from South Africa to London and I felt that way about London at one point. I was like, oh, this is the greatest city in the world and I never want to leave. And now, I mean, I would only go back to London and <laughs> you have to pay me a lot of money to even visit that place. So I can understand how things just just change, right? We change, we grow, we evolve. And then the the fishbowl that we're in sometimes no longer suits us. I, I'm guessing that's what it was, basically.
1: That's what it was. Yeah, I get it. it was, you know, I'm a student of the game. I love comedy. I loved everything about it. I realized about a year ago that I dove everything I had into comedy. I put all my eggs in the basket with comedy. There was no backup plan. There was nothing, you know. So I had done all that. I had given a large chunk of my life to it and dedicated myself to it. And I thought it was time to dedicate myself to my family then. I had done a lot of dedicating to myself. Now it was time to pass the torch. I
0: get it. That thing you said really struck a chord with me that you you went all in on comedy and I've really notice. i noticed that with my own life and also when studying people who've really made it in life, it's they come to this point where they've got to burn the boats, right? There's just no turning back. It's all in. And life, I really believe life rewards that kind of courage. Life punishes you when you, you hesitate and you kind of like half-ass things and you just like dip your toe in the water. But when you say, no, nah, this is it, I'm giving it my all, that's when life steps up and, and meets you halfway. Would you agree? I agree 100%. Yeah. So as I said to you before we started the conversation, I've got some kind of unusual questions for you that I'm so excited to hear because you're such an unusual guy. And it's one of the things I love about you is that you're the most real, authentic dude out. So I'm gonna ask you some some out there questions. What personality traits
1: in people raises a red flag with you? People who start a step.
0: Okay, tell me a little bit more.
1: I'm a felon and I had, I had an opportunity to get my Opportunities taken away, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I appreciate my opportunities. I've always looked at an opportunity a little different than most people. Then you add the immigrant aspect to it. Okay. That gives you a little bit more of a go-getter type. You don't have time to care about politics and little things that people usually care about. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make your own life. So I had two. Uh, things that were kind of like encouraged me to be a human being. Like, and I don't like when you keep, it's like the student that comes in every day and tells you he's going to join jujitsu. I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to do it next week. Mm-hmm. Once my foot ankles up, once my heel heals, once I lose 20 pounds, it's all these things. And it's the same thing with comedy. Oh, once I do this, once I do yeah. that behave now if i'm a jujitsu teacher i just want to make this clear but if i own my own studio and i was a highly decorated black belt and you came in every day to join and you didn't fucking join right i'm not looking at you for the money i'm not looking at you for the monthly fee i'm looking at you i'm not i don't need the money i want you to have a better life go for it stop making excuses So when somebody stutter steps on me a lot, I can't, I can't do it anymore Mm -hmm. because I had all the opportunities to fucking quit. I had all the opportunities not to show up and I showed up. So if I could do it from where I came from, no parents, criminal mentality, all these fucking negatives. When I see people wasting that, that is the worst personality trait because you said it the best. If you don't put all your cards in, life won't be that good to you later on. It's not that life won't be good to you. It's that you let yourself down as a human being. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that's a tough fucking pill to bite when you're 51 years old. And mm-hmm. you're doing something now that you fucking totally hate. In any a career, anything, that's the most negative personality trait I see in people. And it could be fixed because that trait will ruin your life. Yeah. That's it's a light. Like, you, do you might as well <laughs> drink a can of Coke when you wake up in the morning. You might as well do all the things that, because you didn't give yourself the gift of taking advantage of this fucking opportunity, all these opportunities that there are. Yeah. When you go around and you, in today's world, you listen to people. Talk about all the opportunities and the opportunities that are dwindling if you're from South Africa or if you're Spanish or if you're black. That's bullshit. The opportunities are there. You're just putting a fucking handicap on yourself mm-hmm. with your race or your social economic condition or you didn't have parents. Or I did that for years. I blamed my failures on not having parents. Not good. Not good. Mm-hmm. Madonna didn't have fucking parents. Yeah. Yeah. Madonna's an orphan. You see what she did? Well, now she's uh, selling teeth for $60 of <laughs> a, a pussy. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's a personality trait yeah. that has always hurt me. I get and what you it, mean.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I get what you mean. You know, my best friend, who I adore the guy, I, I love him to pieces. I, there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. But, you know, he had a truth be told, he had a pretty crappy childhood. His, his mother, his parents just didn't give him what he needed. They just weren't good parents. And I said to him the other day, I was like, man, he's at that point in life, he's 43 years old. And I believe it, that that's an age like 41, 42, 43, where if you don't turn it around, then it's going to be very, very, very hard to turn around after that. And I just said to him, look, bro, you've you've been telling this story for 43 years, but It's time to start telling a new story, and it's time to take full responsibility. Your your mom and dad, yeah, sure, they they can take some of the blame, right? The first maybe twenty years of your life, that's on them, but the rest is on you, man. You got to step up. And uh, I like to think it got through to him. Another thing that came to mind while you were talking about that—the immigrant mentality. You know, I'm an immigrant to this country. I've, I've, I love it here. I see how much potential there is. I see all the opportunities, and I'm so grateful for it. I was in an Uber with. um, uh, this was about two years ago and the Uber driver was an African, an African gentleman. And he and I were talking about how he says he picks up all these kids from the college. I was living in Arizona the, at the time and he used to pick up kids from the U of A. And he said, like, they just don't get it. They just don't get how good they have it. And for that reason, they just don't appreciate it. And that always stuck with me. And uh, I think there's something to that, when you, when you have it easy, like life, it usually works in, in, in a specific way. It's either easy in the beginning and, and hard in the second half, or it's hard in the second half and a little bit easier in, in the, sorry, hard in the first half and a little bit easier in the second half. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It's not where you start, it's where you finish. So, yeah, it was hard for me early on. And then it wasn't that life was hard on me. I made it difficult on me. And then I had that attitude. My mother died. This, that this, that. And it gets old. I could see it wearing on people. And I'm an old cokehead, so that was my coke story. I found my mother on the floor. I was on acid, do another line. Oh my God, your life is bad. It was just a fucking broken record. And I got sick of telling that story. And then I got locked up. And that's the best thing that happened to me at 25. Because it slowed me down. And it let me know what I wanted and what I didn't want this life. And I know I didn't want a man kicking my bed and waking me up. That was not going to happen. That's your life in jail. Yeah, when want to wake up when another guy kicks your bed and says get up. Wow. And I can't tell you what that feels like as a man. Yeah. So it's like not being able to feed your family. Yeah. It breaks your manhood. So I knew I didn't want to do those things. But you made a point because the people at home that are watching. I had a horrific drug problem along with my comedy career. It was hand in hand because that's what I wanted. I wanted the Lenny Bruce no responsibility career. I met my wife and then at 42, I'm like, I really got to change my life around. And I'll tell you what the stupid thing was. I realized that John Gotti had taken over the Gambinos at the age of 45. No shit. I didn't know that. Nothing with my life. And I go, you know what? I'm going to take over a fucking family when I'm 45. Mm-hmm. And I did, my own family. And by taking over my family, it meant me being a better man. I got mm-hmm. off the drugs. So by 45, I was off the drugs and I was thinking of my next, I didn't think, I'd, I thought I'd be a failure as a husband. So I, for years, I was like, Why would I ask her to marry me? I'm a fucking failure as a husband. Mm. And then I said, Joey, listen to that fucking comment. You're a failure as a husband. So you just given up? No. So I became a husband. And Mm -hmm. I learned how to be a husband. I had failed at being a husband. So anything I failed at, Nick, it fucking burns me today. Because now I have to be good at it. I failed at it when I was 22 or 32 or 38 or 42. I can't fail at it at 59. Mm. So I'm bringing it back. Like I've been playing the guitar, you know, a little bit. I go to jujitsu. I didn't want, I ripped my muscle in 2019, but I wasn't putting everything I had into jujitsu. It took me a year to realize that. And now I gave jujitsu a second chance and I see the growth.
0: Mm. That's
1: cool. After for the bad time.
0: So speaking of, of these, you mentioned there's these things you failed at and you, you wouldn't fail a second time. Another question that I had for you is, what is your biggest regret in life, Joe? If you could go back and change one thing, what
1: would it be? Something that fucked me up when I was 16 years old, 15, and I never took care of it. And I let a person beat me in a mental game. It was quitting freshman basketball. Mm. One thing a lot of people do not know about, because I don't talk about it except my friends here, I was a really good basketball player.
0: No, I had no idea.
1: Very, very good basketball player. I got recruited by St. Anthony's in the eighth grade. To be recruited at St. Anthony's, you got to show something. I went to his camp in the seventh grade not knowing who he was, And I won the outstanding rebound. And we became friends, me and Coach Hurley. And he kept calling me, and he wanted me to go to Jersey City. I wanted to stay with my friends in North Bergen. So I went to North Bergen. I was one of the top three players on the team. But this motherfucker didn't like Spanish guys. I found that years later, and he wouldn't start me. And I didn't have the knowledge, the tools to work it. Like, I didn't know that I'm going to beat this motherfucker at his own game. Mm. Because that's what we do now. I kind of didn't play. I never said nothing to him. And then it broke my spirit so badly wow. that I quit. I quit. And that started a chain reaction in my life. I quit basketball. I started smoking pot. And then I quit martial arts because I thought by quitting basketball, I might as well quit martial arts too. And mm-hmm. that was the beginning of my end. So when I got this and when I got clean off the drugs, my search was to get back into a martial art again, because I felt that if I, when I was in the martial arts, I had a better quality of life, I had a better quality of friends. And that turned out right. My martial arts journey led me to meet you and Brett, who are, you know, the biggest influences in my jujitsu. I talked to Brett once a week, you know, about different things, you know, so basketball, I could never go back to. So I ended up hunting that motherfucker down. I was just gonna stab him in the neck two times. Uh-huh. then I realized he died, and he was a miserable fucking cunt. So yeah, he died in a miserable way. You know, he never reached what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. His his took claim, to fame, his claim to fame was fucking with a freshman basketball player. Yeah, because of ins- his insecurity.
0: Yeah. It's always the way, like secure, happy, loving people just don't do shit like that. They just don't. It's not there. They don't need to. I'm reminded of, did you watch that movie? I'm, I'm sorry, Joey, I can't remember the name, but it's it's with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Robert De Niro. Cuba Gooding Jr. Is, it's a true story. In the, the Navy or something like that? Yeah, he's in the Navy. He, he becomes the first black Navy diver in, in the US Navy history. And Robert De Niro is the the master chief or whatever it is, the guy that like is putting him through the training program and and he hates black people and he's resentful and racist. And basically he's a piece of shit and he's trying to fail this guy and he's trying to break him mentally, but he just cannot be broken. No, obviously he was a little bit older. I mean, at 16, man, I gotta be honest, man, I, I would have been easy to break as well. Like at 16, you're still forming and especially a guy like you who didn't have the solid foundation of a stable family life. Yeah, man, I wouldn't be too hard on myself if I were you about that. But thanks for being honest with me. What do you value most in your friends, Joey?
1: Loyalty. I I was a, uh orphan, and my friends took me in, and it taught me a lot about friendship. But before that, I saw friendship, and my, my mother had a, a friendship with a, a girl that she met in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And it was just the weirdest friendship that they would talk every day. I never understood that, Nick. They would talk every fucking day. And if my mom went to New York, she stopped by a house. And I enjoyed going to a house. She was a drug dealer on 113th Street. And she was my mother's friend from Cuba. And they, she became like a millionaire. And later on in my mother's life, I mean, they were always tight. But later on, they got even tighter. And then my mom died. And this woman made a promise that she was going to take care of me, and she did. And wow. all that was great. But I saw what she was after my mom died, and it was just exceptional. Like, she fucking had the funeral director by his throat because she put the wrong dress on my mother. Wow. Like, there were just, she was throwing people out of the wake. Like, tell them, get the fuck out of here. You didn't like her and she didn't like you. You know, they were just that were just connected at the hip. Mm. And this been like for five years after my mother died, she would meet me once a week, give me two hundred dollars and a nickel bag of weed and tell me she loved me. And I, I learned the gift of friendship from her because she was a friend after the motherfucker died, which you can't find friends who are your friends when you're alive. Never mind when you're dead. <laughs> So it really taught me what friendship was, the gift and uh, loyalty, you know, being letting people know you're there for them. And I'm attack I'm not Hollywood, you know. If you're in California, you smack somebody, your Hollywood friends will not bail you out, they will not come to your defense. That's bullshit. That's only in their fucking words, you know. Yeah. We come from a society that something bad happens, I got you. My friends just got arrested for money laundering and running a strip club and shit. And I called them after about a week, and they're like, You're, we're really surprised you called us. Nobody else called us. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's the difference between me and a lot of fucking people.
0: 100%. not
1: so carry that old mentality that your friends are everything.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think that's one of the reasons you and Brent are friends, man. You know, when, when I went through my hardest time of my life, uh, it was just over two years ago, Brent was one of those people, there's that expression, you know who your friends are with when the chips are down, man. And Brent, man, that guy, he came out to, to Arizona to see me, right? He came like, as soon as he found out what I was going through, he came to be there with me. And then I called that guy every single day, or he called me every single day for almost, I think four or five months. And I would call in tears or like depressed or down. And you know what, Joey, he answered that phone every single time. It didn't matter if he was teaching a jiu-jitsu class. It didn't matter if it was like 2 a.m. He picked up that phone every single time. And to me, I'm so glad you said loyalty is what you value most because that's what I value most as well in friendships, loyalty. It's such a vital and also
1: rare thing. And I think you asked me a question before, and this is what it comes back to. You asked me what was going on in California. I was getting older, and when I saw the pandemic, and I saw the effects of the pandemic and what was going on, it was changing people's minds, people losing their mind a little bit. thought that my best chance of making the pandemic would be with my friends and family on the East Coast. I enjoyed my friends. I love you to death. I love Brett. We have a great jiu-jitsu community in in L.A., I think the Hollywood aspect of it makes people just talk out of turn. I love you. And then you call them up. Listen, I got got to go shoot some guy. Oh, I can't go there. Don't fuck yourself. (laughs) But that was the other thing that made me want to leave. I love California. I love the success I found there. But the only place I didn't find big success was in friendships. Interesting. I felt that I had you guys, but I couldn't put what I was going through on you guys, you know, Brett was going through his own stuff. They were about to take the fucking school from, you know, he lost his students. Everybody was running around without a a head on. Mm -hmm. And that, but that was the main reason. If something went down, I wanted to be close to the people that made me who I am today.
0: Yeah, no, I get it, man. I get it. It's, we sometimes think guys like you and I, I think, we believe that we can do it all on our own, but that's, that's just the ego talking. That's bullshit. We we need friends and family and people that care about us around us. I, I really realized that I saw that when I, when I went through this thing, which was a divorce, I was in Arizona. Right. And I have a few friends in Arizona. Like I made a few good friends out there, but you know, it was the pandemic. So no one, no one could really like interact with anyone because of the contagiousness and all that, that bullshit. And I was like, I mean, 6,000 miles, I guess, from South Africa, from where I grew up, from my family, from like my most of my closest friends. And man, that, that was the hardest thing is being alone. And and that's why people like Brent, who were always there to check on me, and even if it was just a call, if it was just to drive out and visit, it made me realize you, you can't do this thing on your own. Like life, life is going to break you if you try to do it on your own.
1: At one point, you got to come around and you got to understand what your friends are for. And they're not just there to smoke pot with, (laughs) but, uh, you know, they're there for uh, other things, you know, and emotional support is the big. I want to know that I'm good. I want to know that when I wake up in the morning, if some guy jumps over here and says something to my daughter, one of my friends will come over and stab me in the neck. That feels (laughs) tremendous, you know. I had that in LA too, but it was time for me to come back. I had a I lot. It. There was a lot going on. I won. Like I won with my career. I consider it a win, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what happens now. Somebody asked me the other day, they go, are you nervous about turning 60 next year? And I go, Doug, why would I? I should have been dead 10 times. <laughs> I should have been dead 10 times. It's like a goal for me, you know, Yeah, like 60. But the other part of the move to come full circle was, it was for me to come full circle. I had left Mm -hmm. some things over here unhinged. You know, I created a lot of problems in North Jersey. And I wanted to come back a winner. I left here a loser, and I wanted to come back with my head up. I left out of here with my head down. And when I got off that plane this time, my head was up. And it wasn't because of the success. It wasn't because of the comedy or the podcast. You know why? Because I fulfilled my mother's goal. She wanted me to grow up to be a fucking man. That's all she wanted. She told me that maybe eight days before I found her on the floor. We had an argument about something. She goes, you don't understand where I'm coming from. But she goes, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I don't care if you pick up shit for a living. She goes, I just want you. We had an argument about me not calling her and telling her what time I was coming home. And she was like, I really don't give a fuck what you think. She's like, because one day you're going to have a wife and you got to call her. And that's what it is to be a man. And I was like blown away by it. She was like, and she came back after she yelled at me and called me a fucking, you know, all the names she used to call me. And she goes, I just want you to grow up and be a man. And she had tears in her eyes. And that stayed with me forever. That stayed with me forever.
0: What does that mean to you, Joey? I mean, this, this show, my show is mainly, the audience is mainly men. And, and we talk about men's issues. Like, What does it mean to you to, when, to be a man? Well, how, how do you know when someone's a man? Or how did you know that you were a man?
1: I, I wanted to define what my mother's word for a man was. She, she didn't want me to, it wasn't about how many women I slept with. It wasn't about what car I drove. It wasn't about how much money I had. I guess it was basically for my mom, what she meant was just to be man enough to look at yourself in the mirror and like that who you see. It's supporting your family. It's being a good friend. There's, there's so many components to being a man. Never mind being a good man. Just to being a man, there's so many components to it. Yeah. That's why it's difficult because... There's so many pieces. We're so confused with what being a man is. Being a man is giving your family comfort, giving your friends comfort, you know, being there for your friends. I mean, it's it's this big fucking umbrella. It's not just, well, we got to bring the home, the, the money home, whatever. When they say they got to bring the fucking bacon home. <laughs> That's one aspect. That's the other aspect. You got to, it's, it's, very hard to be the complete fucking man and we will work forever as men young men to become a man but in my world i became a man i could look my wife in the eye i could look my daughter in the eye i know i'm not perfect but i'm working every day towards being a little better than what i was yesterday being able to look at your mistakes and going that was a mistake let me call this guy let me call this guy and tell him the truth, how I feel, how I don't feel. There's so many components to being a man. I don't think we'll ever reach the fucking man of man. But it's not looking like Jason Momoa. That's not a fucking yeah. man. And hanging out with Lenny Kravitz. And look at us. We're both. That, that, that's not a man. Yeah. That's something, that's something completely different. I know. What I want to see the Momoa with his fucking knife in somebody's neck saying, you know, I'm Aquaman, bitch, or something like that, but not <laughs> in that situation. I'm cracking jokes here, but I think you guys know what I mean, That Yeah. Being a man is such a great feeling. Yeah, knowing I that.
0: absolutely agree with you, Troy.
1: I'm not um, talking about yelling at your wife or, or I run a household. No, you don't, you fucking dumb motherfucker. Because without my wife in that household, I couldn't fucking do it. I can't do it with my wife. was. I could honestly look at you, professor, and tell you, Without my wife, I would be fucking lost. Wow. that brings me lost.
0: That brings me to my next question, which is, uh, who or what is the greatest love
1: of your life? I love my wife. I love my daughter. But the other aspect of being a man is fucking loving yourself, man. 100%,
0: dude. 100%. I don't care
1: if you got a little dick. I don't care if you got a little feet. I don't care if you got a big stomach. And it's like I tell people. I'm an ugly dude, but I got a big thing and a lot of personality and a lot of heart. And uh, that goes a long way in your search for manhood, you know. 100%. But I love my wife. I I love a lot of people, man. I love you. I love Brett. You know, I love Eddie Bravo. You got to love in this life. I don't look at people with any hatred. I cheer for people from the heart when you're a comic, a young comic or a young jiu-jitsu guy, you're a purple belt, you hope that the guy breaks his ankle so you don't have to wrestle him or <laughs> whatever. We don't look at it like that. We look at it like I want him to shine because if he shines, I'll fucking shine
0: more. 100%, man. Joey, I think that is one of the highest notes we could go out on. So, uh, we'll we'll end it there. I man, I'm so grateful for you and for your time. What's your new what's your new project that, that people can check out?
1: I got a podcast called Uncle Joey's Joint. You know, it's on the last legs. I'm gonna try to really uh kick it up for the next four months. And uh the book comes out next April twenty third.
0: Oh well, no way I didn't even know you were writing a book.
1: What is it a it's biography? Written, it's, yeah, it's biography. Oh man. Life and Times of a Savage Comedian. I can't I wait. Up. It's on Twitter and Instagram. You can pre-order it on Amazon. Okay. I'm really proud of it. I'm happy about it. And uh that's it. Awesome. I'll be in touch, Professor. Awesome, Joey. I appreciate thank you so much, man. The, thank you for giving me the gift of confidence for jujitsu. Because every time I walk into jujitsu, you're on my mind. Sometimes I that. wear a black belt shirt with my name on it. And people <laughs> go nuts when they see it. Uh, that's awesome. Bless you, Joey. You know yeah. what I know what I tell people? Tell me, I go, what that sure, I go, listen, professor is a class act. When you take a seminar, he calls you three days earlier, and he asks you your name, and when you get there, your name is on the fucking, that's a profession. <laughs> <So> it's personalized, <laughs> and I <laughs> work for all my classes, brother, so you're always in my heart. You as well, brother. I look forward Thank to seeing you, you soon. God. Love you.
0: I fucking love that guy, and I love him for the same reason everyone else loves him, and that's because he's authentic. He doesn't bullshit he doesn't spare people's feelings. He just calls things for the way they are and the way he sees them. You know, he, he seems like such a, when you, when you listen to Joey Diaz and, and, and you see the, the persona that he presents, which I don't even want to say persona because it's the real him, but the aspects of, of himself that he presents, would lead you to believe that he's this really hard, callous, mean motherfucker. And I guess in some ways he is. But I'll tell you straight up, that guy has one of the best hearts of anyone I've ever met. And I just consider it such a gift and honor to know him. You know, I've had such, a, such an interesting life. I consider it to be a wonderful life that I've, I've had. It's had many ups and also many downs, but the highlights of my life to me, I reflect on this often, is just the incredible people that I've met, the amazing humans that I've been allowed allowed to come into contact with. And uh, Joey is one of the very best. And um, I'm sure we'll have him back on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Reminder, as always, if you want a free copy of my book, head on over to coachnickg.com and get a copy there. You can also find out more about my men's coaching work that I do. If you've got the instinct that it's time to level up and it's time to go beyond those things that have been limiting you your whole life. I can most probably help you head on over to the site and book a call with me or send me an email. Okay, guys, I will speak to you. I'll be back with you in another week or so. Until next time, remember, we're all alone in this together.